Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right. Welcome, everyone. We have another special guest on the podcast today, The Flow Show. We got my man, Coach Bauman, episode number 162. Coach, give me your full name. Give me, give me your energy. Give me what you got. Tell us who you are. Give me the whole thing, man. Good to have you. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, bro. It's a, it's an honor, man. One of the goats, Jeff. Jeez, we finally made it to the podcast. This is a mama I made it moment. So, I love it. I love it. Well, listen, we've worked together. We have done some calls. We've done some some things. It's been a busy, crazy time, I think, in the world, obviously, with COVID and just everything's kind of been this, this last few years has been a bit of a blur. But you know, maybe tell us what you're up to, what you're working on, what you're focused on in the moment, and we'll kind of dive back through your history, what got you into coaching and all the good stuff. But, you know, tell me a bit in the in the moment, what have you been focused on in the last last few months? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, my my mission has always been in the beginning and, and still is now is making high performance accessible for everybody. And that is the, the secrets that people like yourself have, right? Um, it's a science uh, and it's not luck. It's not genetics. It's not environmental circumstances. Uh, it's just you putting in raw amounts of work and being a little bit clever in certain situations, being a little bit more resourceful and creative and solving problems when they, uh, when they arise. And I think the, the approach and the mental models that people like yourself sometimes subconsciously use are just incredibly valuable for people to know all of all of the people, right? And then there's one side of me that just want to help everybody at all time and put out tons of content on Instagram. That's what I've been doing a lot. And there's, of course, the side of me that just loves to work with uh, great, successful people like yourself and uh, make sure that uh, we optimize when we can. But yeah, that's what I've been up to, man, just making this accessible for everybody, trying to make people happy. I love it. And where did you find the love for coaching? How did you get into this? I believe your background... Uh, you were in Iran, and then you 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 went to Holland, if I'm not mistaken. But when when did it when did you know you had this gift and passion for coaching? Uh, honestly, still trying to figure that out, man. It's just uh, it's been a crazy ride. Uh, I indeed came from Iran. I was a refugee, and I landed in Holland with the family. Um, family broke up pretty fast after that. Um, fleeing the country under those circumstances was. It's quite, a, it's quite a, a traumatizing experience for everybody. And my dad became an alcoholic. My mother became very mentally ill. So a lot of things fell apart during that time. And I became homeless for a while in my 16, 17, 18 years. So that was a, a tricky time where I developed a lot of selfishness. And I was just very angry at everybody. And I was like, I just wait till I get some money and screw everybody. And I'm just going to be successful. And I don't want to deal with anybody's nonsense anymore. Uh, but, you know, I got some money and I noticed, okay, this is not helping. I'm not really any happier than um, I'm still angry. I got money when I'm still angry. So that was a very uh, confronting moment. And then one of the internships that I did during my uh, my college time was uh, a mentor who was running a youth center. And he took me under his wing and he told me, oh, bro, listen, um, I know you have a lot of pain and I know you're suffering and I know you want to heal. But sometimes the best way to help yourself is to help other people. So why don't you give it a shot? We got some kids here in the community center and they all come here because they have difficulties at home. Maybe you want to just talk with them and, and see how it goes, play PlayStations and play some table tennis. And that kind of really what, what started my journey and just being there for people and, and talking with them. And 
made me discover that, uh, wow, I actually kind of have some value and, and I can be of some, some help to people. And 10 years ago, I think that was 11 years ago. That was where it started. And, and where did you get your drive? You know, that you have a, you have a nice website, you've got a curriculum, you've gotten in touch with Ben CB, obviously someone I respect and work with and uh, one of the, the greats in the, in poker and just in general, a uh, great guy, you know, where, where did you sort of get organized and say, all right, I'm gonna have a website. I'm going to, I'm going to get some clients. And where did you, where, where did this sort of happen? Let's just start from, you know, the day you said, I'm going to be a coach and you know, what did you start with a friend or how did you initially get going? Yeah, I absolutely was blessed with incredible mentors who saw some potential in me who said, Hey, you know what? I see you're doing, uh, you're doing your stuff. I see you putting out content. I see you, you know, you, you, you have so much potential. You just, need to channel it you need to focus in you need to lock it in because it's pretty much going everywhere at the time uh, i was doing youtube i was doing twitch i was doing twitter i always had um i always had a hustle mentality and i think that came from being very young and being on my own and just having to figure it out on a very young age and my parents not really being there because they're too busy with their own problems at the time so um i feel like that forced me in a way to uh, either figure it out or, you know, say, fudge it and just, you know, give up on everything. And and that was a decision I had to make when I was very young and I chose to figure it out somehow. Uh, and I feel like being the underdog helped me a lot there. And I always feel, um, and I think a lot of my clients recognize this, I always feel not good enough in a way. It's very unhealthy, but that's really a drive that I have. That When I have a good website, I'm like, but now I have got to have good, consistent blogging too and a great video testimonial. So when I have that, I kind of want to, you know, do SEO. When I have SEO, I want to kill kill it on TikTok and then I want to kill it on Twitter and then I want to kill it on YouTube. And there's always something more, something else that I could be doing. Uh, it, it sometimes eats at me, to be fair, but it's it's also a good drive to have, you know, never settle. I, I like it. And do, do you find, you know, the, the relationship with Ben CB, you know, how did, how did, when did you start working with him in particular? And what was that? How did you guys decide to, to make this, to have this be a part of the Razor Edge course? And do you have a poker background? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I used to play a lot of poker, a ton of poker. And I grew up with poker professional friends, uh, actual crushers who now are living in uh, Macau and Vietnam and crushing it there in the nosebleed high stakes. And uh, they, they taught me the game when I was younger and they told me there's some opportunities here. So maybe you should jump in here. And when I did, um, thankfully, there was a time where, I mean, you probably remember to the early 2000s, where I think you could even teach a hamster to beat, to beat under the nail, right? So that was just raking in money. And to be fair, that made me really lazy. Uh, I didn't feel any urgency to improve my game or to study. I never had that competitive drive of wanting to be the best. I just wanted to make some money and get by. So that definitely killed my career very early uh, because as time went on, you know, the Europeans came on the sites and, you know, people started to study and people like yourself started to teach people about the game and it definitely became better and killed my career. So, uh, yes, I, I had some crazy, crazy stories, DJ stories like your vlogs, you know, with cannoli and stuff. I had those moments with my friends and just beautiful times with a lot of degenerative gambling. Um, but um, I think that really taught me the approach to poker on a mental uh, aspect of it, not a theoretical uh, theoretical, I was never that great. So I always had to uh, find my edge in my 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 mental game. And that was that I just, I, I'm in, like incredibly stable. 
and I don't get tilted and my ego doesn't get in the game and I don't get I don't make it personal. I don't mind losing a ton of money. I lost rent money before, like grocery money before, like I went through it. It's okay. So um, I think that was really my main edge then. So when I transitioned into coaching, I was like, I think I just have to lock it in on, on this demographic first. Instead of trying to be for everyone, just find one specific audience and say, hey, let's attack this audience and, and make sure I, I be as valuable as I possibly can. Um, and, you know, at that time, I thought there was a there was a good move, but it was difficult to be fair. Uh, I mean, Jared Tendler and uh, um, guys like Elliot Rowe, they had this game on lock. You know, they were highly respected and people knew if you had any issues in that area, you just go to these guys. So I knew I had my work cut out for me. You know, I really, really looked out to these guys too. Like, wow, these are the guys who made poker such a progressive game that if you compare it to chess or any other mental sport, like they're almost like in the middle ages compared to like how much awareness they have about psychology and the mental game. Like it's, it's pretty much like golf in a way, how it's, how quickly it's developed and how much poker players understand, you know, the mental aspect of it, which uh, I'm really lucky that there's so much space for so many great coaches. And ever since I've been coming up, a lot of other people popped up here and there as well. And it's amazing. We can all win and make money and be happy and be value i feel um yeah and poker was for me it made sense but the initial grind was just really rough i remember sending out i think around five six hundred dms everybody just hammering out dms and trying to be you know connected and now i know it's not the most efficient way to do what i mean back in the day like how do i get in touch with these guys you know so just shout out dms just ton of them and uh, honestly, like three people replied, I think. You was one of them. Uh, and Ben CB was one of them. He said, hey, looks cool. Want to talk? I was like, hell yeah, fucking Ben CB, man. This is the, this is the GOAT, you know. He's a legend. Well, of course I want to talk, bro. So, yeah, and, and we, we connected really on, on self-improvement. We connected with his German mindset. I love his German mindset that no complaining, no BS, just do it. You know, put in the work and you'll be rewarded. And um, that that it's just really rational and 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 good solid fundamentals. Uh, that's what I really love about that German mindset, and, and Ben has it unlocked for sure. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 absolutely right. I think you know it's something that's interesting with poker and mindset. Similar, it's it's one of those things you can work at. Anyone can, always can improve. You can always get better. You know whether you're pretty even keeled or not. Do you find certain personalities are like what's the range you know if you're working with a client you decide to work with someone like what is the range within someone that starts it's like needs a lot of help with control and tilt and all that versus someone that's already um fairly refined or had because i'm sure you can tell pretty quickly it's like playing poker with someone at a table you know you know pretty pretty quick you can size someone up uh and, and their general demeanor and mannerisms like how much harder is it to work with someone that's that's this it's not refined that has no you know from scratch versus someone that's already kind of working at a high level and just wants mm-hmm. to you know, take it up, like take a golf score. How hard is it to work with a guy who shoots 120 or a guy that shoots 75, you know, and wants to be the best of the best and someone's just trying to get on the map? Well, how, what do you prefer and what's more challenging? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, what I prefer, um, I prefer a motivated person, whether they're just completely ignorant and unaware or whether they're hyper aware and they know everything and they're 
informed about everything and they read everything. Whatever it is, really, I just prefer a motivated person and a person who takes accountability for their own decisions and doesn't find a way to blame their environment or their friends or their money or the you know all that external stuff, which we know has some impact, but it's very minimal. Well, so um, with with a person who's you know just starting out in poker or maybe isn't that aware mentally, um, I I, I kind of enjoy it because the breakthroughs come faster and, and the, the information that I give them is new and mesmerizing and mind blown. Like, wow. And, and for me, it's basic stuff, you know, and, and it's, it's, yeah, it's like showing the hand ranking charts where to open from versus yeah. like someone who's looking to do some peel solver and, and go deep into the matrix. So it's kind of, yeah, I guess it's probably more rewarding or more you're giving more, you're getting someone more, you know, from a shooting 120 in golf to 90 versus going 75 to 72. But I'd imagine also it's kind of fun to work with the best of the best and like see how they tick. And then also what are they missing or what can you do to add them to, to, to get to that? Um, you know, the, that, that's, that to me, I guess it's, I guess it's just completely different, right? It's just a completely different process. Yeah, it is different. In, in a way I, I love boxing. I box pretty often if I can at the time. And I really, it feels like for me, it kind of feels like a boxing match in a way where I'm trying to find an opening and, you know, sneak in that one punch, like in the gut or like, you know, that one knockout punch to, to really surprise them with something that they can say, wow, that was, I, I did not see that come. That was a really right. interesting angle or you found a hole in my story or in my defense, you know, that, that I did not see before. So thank you for that. And, and when I work with a more experienced person, we might be sparring for weeks until I find a hole somewhere and, and sneak in some wisdom or something that's valuable to them. And with, you know, an unexperienced person, I might, you know, play around with them a little bit and punch them around a little bit. And they'll be like, wow, this is, whoa. And I'll tell them, you know what, keep your, 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 your right foot to the, to the front or left foot. And that's already like, wow, really? You got the foot stance? Like that's wow. So uh, it's different. It's a different game, but it, yeah. And in, in a way I just like motivation and accountability. That's really the most important thing. I don't really care if they're super aware or super informed or whether they're uh, completely oblivious because the super aware, informed people, sometimes they have these major leaks, but because they're successful and because they've been doing it for so long, they're completely blind to it. And it's really hard to convince them of it, especially like the, the millionaire or the billionaire guys. I've had a couple of clients like that. That gets tricky sometimes, you know, because... Changing usually requires urgency. So something in your life has to kind of fall apart or you yourself has to fall apart. But well, if you're incredibly wealthy, right? Like yeah. nothing's falling apart. Like you don't feel any desire or haste to change. You know? is, is that something, would you, what do you notice within the the super wealthy or someone that's 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 just getting by or someone that's sort of, finds that right balance. Is there, is there sort of something you've noticed over the, the years? I think you've done over 10 years of kind of coaching and I'm sure you've seen a lot of success stories, a lot of failures, a lot of people that fall off or, you know, you work with and you see them then take off and, and fly. And then you see some people that just, you know, you don't, they, they sort of disappear. And then you see them, you know, here later on, they're not doing so well. Is there any kind of overlying underlying, you know, thing you could say that is like congruent and consistent with those that are successful or not. Like, is there anything that stands out to you um, as, as character, character traits and attributes that you think is the most important to be successful? 
Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, I'm actually doing a, a webinar on the 10, sec the 10 secrets of high performance for the Raise Your Edge community soon. Uh, okay. So if you want to jump in on that, it's free. You be part of the Raise Your Edge Discord. That's all you have to do. And you'll get an invite for that. Uh, one of the things that I touch on, um, and there's, I mean, like I said, it's a webinar of 10 things that are consistent, but this I could even mention 50. Uh, but one of them that I really uh, usually uh, spend most time on discussing is curiosity versus judgment, right? And the example that I use is if I would present to you right now um, a concept and, and tell you, well, I know a guy, my neighbor across the street, uh, he makes uh, around uh, 50 million a year uh, and um, he's, uh, he's selling exclusive VIP underwear, like exclusive high-end underwear. You'll probably be saying to me, that's interesting. Uh, tell me more about that, right? I'm, I'm curious to hear about that. Now, a quote-unquote regular person or a not-so-successful person would be directly in a defensive state or at least a judgmental state of saying, I, I, I don't think that's right. I don't right. believe that. Underwear? Really? There's no money in underwear? Like, what are you even, 50 million a year in underwear? Mm -hmm. And usually what you see is that a successful person is curious. They don't apply skepticism to everything all the time, right? They hear a success story or an opportunity, they are open to it and say, tell me more about it, right? Who would have known we would have be selling pixels on the screen for so much money these days, right? But that's because people were curious about it instead of saying, what the hell, pixels on the screen? I'm not going to, this, this is nonsense, right? Or digital money or, you know, posting pictures of yourself on an app. These are all concepts that are ridiculous, that once were ridiculous, but are now just common staples and because some people were just curious instead of yeah, just... They, they got that Curious George story read to them by as a kid. But, you know, it's also, they say curiosity killed the cat. So I think mm -hmm. one of the fundamental words and, and underlying themes too is balance, right? You got to be, you have to not be naive and silly. And you also have to be curious and, and find that sort of happy medium because there are things that are too good to be true or don't make yeah. sense. But I think ultimately that is curiosity doesn't mean that you are gullible or you just believe and do everything. But it means, I think that's like the glass half empty, half full sort of mentality. Do you come in skeptic and everything is a scam and defensive, or do you come in with the willingness and ability to learn and grow? And this, I think, is an important distinction to, to, to know. They're like, sure, that may not be true or it might not be real, or maybe it's only this, but like, I'm curious, I want to learn, I want to understand, and then decide, is it real or not? Not just, no, this is fake or false. Or um, So I think that's, that's really important. I wanted to I wanted to kind of use, if you don't mind, because I do some videos for Cards Chat each month and talk about various topics or things in my mind. And, you know, having you on here, I would like to, if you're okay with it, kind of get your opinion, your take on this um, and maybe use you for one of these, these videos and segments. So uh, I, want to, I want to talk about dealing with um, being, I guess, I guess, unlucky or to talk about variance in poker, right? Let's talk about mm -hmm. running poorly. Um, and, and maybe you could help us a little bit with this segment about mindset and how to approach that. I'm just going to give you a quick, very quick on like how I approach it or what I generally try to do. And then tell me how you would think about this or what you do with coaching. But let's just take a the world poker tour. Um, just now hard rock 3,500 last week. I play a uh, great tournament. You can reenter uh, day one, end of the day, get in a really good spot, right? You get your money in 75% favorite middle set versus not flush draw, right? You lose. Okay. So, you know, it's a hard, you got a wife, you have a girlfriend or, a spouse, significant other, friends that are sweating you are, are very interested in your results. And like, you know, now you got to drive there, got to drive home, you bust a tournament, you get unlucky, but you play well or get your money in good. 
Um, you know, how do you tell people or recommend people to deal with adversity when you're, you know, let's say you get unlucky. Let's say you play well, but you're running bad. How are you able to tell someone to approach that? Because there's a feeling inside. And listen, I've been a pro for, you know, I'm 35. I've been playing poker since I'm 15. Call it professionally since 21, you know, 18, 19, whatever. However you want to look at it. That was my job for a long, long time. But it's still not easy to deal with this, like feeling a way of entitlement or how unlucky am I? How could this happen to me? You know, this is something as like competitive nature. It's a natural feeling like you want to win and it feels frustrating when you you don't get rewarded or it doesn't go your way. Even a coin flip, but let's take a three or four to one favorite, right? How do you suggest to people to walk away, whether it's online, live, something like this happens, you get unlucky in a spot that's meaningful for you or that you really care about. How do you, what would be your advice or your way to look at a situation like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. I mean, super relevant for everybody, right? Whether you're a seasoned pro or whether you're an amateur just starting out recreational, right? Just like I am, basically. Um, there's two different things that, that we need to apply here. The, the first thing is in the moment, right? And I'm, um, I'm in a camp of guys who believes that there's not that much that you can do in the moment, right? And especially for certain people who are just sensitive and who are emotional, in the moment of feeling it, it's just about feel it. Go through it, right? Stop looking for distractions. Stop expressing it into your strategy or trying to beat another guy or trying to, you know, uh, win back your losses or trying to beat him in a pot or just feel it. Go through it, right? And there's a great guy. I got his name on Twitter, but he talks about presence all the time. I love that guy. He's a, uh, I spoke to him. My name's, names pop up. I'll let you know. Uh, he, he He's really a big fan of presence in poker, which I think is great. Just feel it. Experience it and be grounded in what you're feeling at the time, right? But we all know it's very complicated, right? Because in that moment, emotions might overwhelm us. And then we can talk about breathing and relax and be grounded. But if we're overwhelmed, we're overwhelmed. And there's not a lot you can do about that in that moment. What I believe myself is you build that resilience against tilt in the off-season. So whatever you do outside of the table is building resilience for when you finally perform, right? It's similar to when soccer player, football players or soccer players, when they have a penalty shootout. We know that you cannot train that. You cannot mimic or recreate a place like that with the pressure for the human mind outside of a final of a World Cup. That only happens once or twice in your life, right? You cannot recreate that situation. Just like I believe you cannot recreate a poker situation that's on a bubble or final table or so meaningful for you. So the only way we can actually train that is in the off season by creating resilience for ourselves. And that's just living healthy, studying, reviewing your hands, being in touch with good poker friends, right? Making sure that in mental exercises, right? For example, meditation, or uh, I like myself, I like doing these puzzles on raise your edge to just give you a little bit of confidence and give yourself an idea about, okay, what is the right thing? Right. And if we talk about the source of tilt, now that's a different one, right? Because we have to recognize where does it come from? A lot of times I feel like tilt comes from a lack of confidence in your decision-making. If it's just simply a stupid bad beat, I don't believe you get tilted that much, right, Jeff? Just a stupid aces against kings and a king comes like, okay, annoying, but what can I do? I put it in perfectly. 
nothing to. But the real tilt usually hits when you're like, I'm not 100% sure if I did that correctly, right? I'm not 100% sure if that decision was correct. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I I think, you know, my, the way I look at it, it's like, I I try to look at poker as a, a metaphor for life with understand. I think one thing I can say, no matter what happens in poker, that if you're able to take this kind of a way that poker is about variance in life, like, you know, you could, you could say, use extreme scales with you know, obviously health, being alive, uh, the luck, job, career, relationships. There's so many things that if you really look at your life as a whole, you could find things that are, you're running very well in, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's say, obviously it's, there's a wide, like, you know, I'm not speaking for everyone and every single thing, but I think if you look at, if you're in, in the different pie chart of life, like poker is a very small part. And like when you take a bad beat, I think one way to kind of, if you're fortunate enough to be able to play poker for money, right? Like if you're playing for cash game money or a tournament and you're losing, whether you it's your money or your stake or your back or you have a percentage, like you are competing and playing a game where there's a big prize money. Like you're probably in the top 0.001% in the world mm. um, and, you, and whatever. So like when you start looking at that, like, okay, I didn't run well here, but look, I'm going to go home. I have a place that I'm living or I have um you know like then it's kind of easier to sort of put it all into perspective but you know Mm -hmm. i i again like in the moment when you take a beat like when i leave a poker tournament room and like you know i'm like man like oh this would have been a great vlog or you know now i tell my wife who you know i'm i have a son at home and i'm now not during the day there it's like a little bit tough to process like the that where you're like oh like i could have done this instead of course you don't you have to play in order to win you have to play and showing up as a part of life with involving anything but that is kind of difficult to like process um you know about the time the value proposition right and like what you could have done with your time and then again my wife who's very supportive understands poker fairly well you know when i come home she understands but still it's like oh, she doesn't want to hear i don't even want to tell her just like i don't want to tell my friends i took a bad beat but like you know it's frustrating right because it's like you you're playing you work hard you study you do all the right things you come on time you meditate you cold plunge you do all your workout you get your stuff you come in you're present you're focused and then you get it in good and lose and you know there is something that is difficult in that to accept right so i I think that's like i love what you're saying i love that message i just think like that is sort of a difficult thing and happens of course for so much where there's these math equations and formulas and percentages that collide king's gonna lose the ace queen flips are gonna happen coolers are gonna happen bad beats are gonna happen so yeah. like all this you're signing up for it but when it happens in the moment it still doesn't feel great so you know that that to me i think is important to be able to to, to calibrate and compare into life and, and, and find ways to sort of take yourself off of being upset or tilt and i think a lot of people probably really struggle with that because i know mm. it's hard and i still feel it at this stage of my career and where I'm at, I'm like, to me, I want to win so badly. Um, you know, it's still hard to, to deal with the disappointment and defeat, which is tournament poker in particular. That's the majority of the time. You might even like you only cash 15 percent. And then even then you're not usually happy. You know, you final table and you're so close. The only one person wins, let's say, out of 2000 in this tournament. Right. But like the top, you know, certain everyone has different goals. Some are to cash, some are to make day two, some are to do this, some are to make final table. Um, you know, I think that, that that's tricky though, right? I think that's why it's so, the mind's so powerful. It's so important to find ways to, to, to keep yourself engaged, motivated and calibrated because it's so easy to kind of get on a, um, a downfall if that, that, that hits home. And, and, and I think that's hard, easier said than done, 
to stay happy and positive and focused, especially in the poker uh, environment. It is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And that's why I think mental game is so uh, developed and, and so, so uh, openly discussed in poker because it's such a ruthless game, right? And the variance is a very big part of it. I think bigger than a lot of people would like to admit, right? Because for the storylines, um, it's not fun to say, well, it's luck anyway, you know, because for the story, we want Phil Helmut to be a goat, you know, we want another person to be great and to win back to back to back. But the, the variance kind of destroys that story in a way, right? Then we have to counter into that. Maybe they're not really that great. Maybe they're just lucky or whatever. So it's, it's just, it gets messy. So a lot of people don't want to touch on it too much, but it is a huge part of it, right? Much bigger part than I believe other sports, even though, I mean, we know that soccer and NFL and basketball, I mean, has a ton of variants as well, um, but I believe it's, it's not comparable, right? Even if there was a little bit less variance in poker, then you'll see, man, you you would only see the greatest, the greatest, the greatest players at every single final table, every single time, not one recreational ever, right? And I've seen some numbers of like poker clubs that people run with like three or four professionals. The money, even with all this variance, all the money always goes to the pros. Like that's how crazy it is that you still have an edge, right? You still have such a huge edge, even though there is variance. And even though you think you're getting unlucky and you're losing a lot to, you know, people doing crazy stuff. But, you know, every time when you get a bad beat and somebody got it in poorly against you and they sucked out on you, right? Um, that's, you know, means you're in a good game. That means you're in a good environment. You're in the right place. You need to be there as much as possible, right? The more bad beats you get, the better, because that means people doing crazy stuff. That's where we want to be. And we sign up for this variance, right? We know it's an integral part of this game. It's why it works. If there was no variance, I wouldn't play poker. I'm not going to get my ass beat every single day by these pros. Like, what's the use? I'd go play video games or something, right? Yeah. Like, what's the use for me? To play poker if i'm just gonna lose and i'm never gonna get lucky suck out of one of these guys right, right. so it's the reason why it works you have to accept it right and, and that's, i think that's also why it's important to realize like it's actually in theory much better if you are getting that beat because that means you got your money in good you know if the problem is you're losing uh and you're just behind uh consistently then you got real problems right that's different than getting in good and, and losing but uh definitely doesn't feel good if it happens in a streak in a row and um, you know, it, it is it is uh, tricky. Um, what do, what would you say has been the biggest uh, the biggest finding with working with people that you have kind of applied to maybe your own life, like where you're talking to people and some learnings you've had. You know, in poker, there's a lot of learnings about. Other well, there's a there's a ton of lessons and things you get by studying and, and approaching the game and playing. What about coaching? What have you taken away from that's kind of been something that you maybe didn't realize when you started or were doing it, but looking after you've done it and done so much of it that you've applied in your own life or, or taken away as uh, learnings? Hmm. Interesting. Um, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that the problems that people have are incredibly similar. Uh, we talk about the problems of uh, a millionaire, a billionaire, or a person who lives paycheck to paycheck. Their problems are quite similar. And the reason for that is that if you don't have any major problems, most likely you will go and try to find problems or create problems because we people are problem solvers. We need 
problems to be driven to solve something, right? We can't live without any obstacles or without any problems in our life. We need those in a way. We need to be challenged. We need to be triggered. We need to be, uh, we need to be uh, uh, tested, right? And uh, if that doesn't happen, then we're going to create those for ourselves. And you see with a lot of successful people, they might not have financial problems, but they'll have addiction problem. They have relationship problems, right? They have other sorts of problems, like family problems, uh, friendship problems that are sometimes self-inflicted just because life without problems is like it's an empty life. We need them, right? We need some things that we have in front of us that we're going to fix. And if we fix everything, we need more, right? We always need something, whether it's I want to become a better father, I want to become a better husband, I want to become a, a better poker player, I want to, there's somewhere I'm trying to strive to and there is an obstacle in the way. Because if we would strive to somewhere and just instantly achieve everything we put our mind to it, then, you know, that gets boring too. So we need something, an obstacle in front of it, and then be able to chase it. It's like, you know, a pretty girl and you know you can't have her. And that's kind of more attractive than, you know, the girl that's like the, the, the tomboy that you that, she, that desperately wants you, right? So uh, that's, that's how we work as humans. So that's really what's most surprising to me that, these millionaires, these billionaires, and even the people that I coach in the community, uh, community center back then, they really have incredibly similar problems. I think that's that's something too. You, you realize, like I did a personal development course in in uh, Las Vegas actually in 2012, and you kind of realize too, like a lot of people, like fundamentally, everyone's got issues. It doesn't matter, you know, whether it's your parents or your friends or you personally or a little of everything. You know, everyone's dealing with certain things and has has. Um, you know, again, rich, poor, medium, in the middle, whatever race, ethnicity you are, like, ultimately, we aren't that different um, as a whole. And I think everyone sort of deals and works with things. And as you said, even people that have like, kind of everything in order, it's like, you still want to like, push and push the envelope and make challenges and, and, and push yourself. And then that also arises with with, with challenges and um, situations. So I think that that's, that's one of the things I would say that makes a lot of sense. And I think we're all just not that different, right, uh, as a whole. Um, and, and that's it's interesting i'm sure you know, like you said it's just it's got to be completely different working with someone who has you know i know for myself we've we, i've introduced to a few people and there's some people that have like their stuff is not together and mm. it's in that project versus someone who is like together but they just have different but similar problems on how to get dialed in and i think balance um if you if you wouldn't mind telling me a bit about that how you know we, we we've done some of these evening and morning sheets i have them actually over here I don't do it every day, but that is very helpful and to kind of get you in the habit and even so just thinking about it. Um, give me give me a bit of uh, what balance means to you and, and how how can someone achieve that? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the, the concept of balance. And the reason for that is I believe that balance is what's burning us out at this high rate all across the world, mostly in the Western world, but you know, it's, it's happening everywhere that people are burning out at such a tremendous rate, because I believe that balance promotes doing everything at the same time and doing it good or even, you know, almost to perfection, right. And finding a way to structure your life to do that all at the same time, be a great dad, be a good poker player, be a good content creator, be a good husband, be a good uh, son, be a good nephew, be right, be all of these different people and be a good entrepreneur and investor and founder. But we all know it, it's impossible. We cannot meet every single expectations that people have of us or the expectations that we have of ourselves. The only way we can actually attack this life, I believe, is with harmony, right? And harmony 
is what you touched on so perfectly just now when you said, I play poker and I come home to my wife and my wife understands. That's your efforts who did that, right? It's not that you just by chance found an understanding wife in a grocery store. You created a relationship with her that created harmony for you in your life where she says, I understand, go play and get some money, right? You would have had a person who would expect you to be everything at the same time, then you would have never been able to disappear for 14 hours and play a tournament. You would feel guilty, right? You'd feel like somebody's pulling at you or I'm not giving enough to poker. I'm not giving enough to family. And I feel like people are tearing me apart. Ah, and then you get burnt out, right? That's how people lose it. We, we should aim for harmony, but means everybody around me knows my priorities and knows that they shift. Sometimes I'm more in business. Sometimes I'm more in crypto. Sometimes I'm in family mode. Sometimes I'm in poker mode. And everybody's fine with that. And everybody's good. I'm not neglecting people. But priorities shift. And I'm okay with that. I think that's that's a good, a better move than just trying to do everything perfectly. Right. Yeah, I think that's, um, it is It is also seasonal. You know, you see some of the, the greats like Ben C.B., of course. We talk about Patrick Leonard, guys in poker too. And they seem to really sort of to your point, it's like seasons. Like, all right, look, hey, I'm going crazy cycle mode. Like there's a series online playing every day. It's going to be a war and don't expect me, you know, I'm not going to be going to dinners and family, like all the events and stuff. And I'm sort of in my zone, whether that's one day a week on Sundays or um, a period of time. And then it's like, all right, now I'm going to relax. I'm going to study. I'm going to catch and do things. So yeah, I think balance can be different for everyone. It doesn't necessarily have to mean daily or uh, an exact routine, but also I think, I think, being prepared and communication is huge too, right? Because like if you are getting ready for that, it's also important to know like, all right, like maybe I need to spend focus more family and really do stuff, but also let my significant other know like, hey, starting here, this is that. So like, let me see what events are during this time. Maybe I can carve out one day or uh, a certain point where I do do something in this period of time, but also like beforehand and after, oh, let's take a vacation. Let's do this. We're going to do this together. We're going to go on this together. Or in the mornings, I have this time. You know, I think that's also one of the things successful people really do is they're really prepared and they're realistic with what they're doing. Because you know, if you don't coach your significant other or your partner or your wife to tell her like, hey, like, I'm, you know, this is how tournaments work. I'm not going to cash mm-hmm. most of the time. I'm putting this time and effort and I'm prepared. I'm ready. You know, this is a big difference than just kind of like flailing home. And like, first of all, you're probably told you to know, come home and what happened? I busted or you know, I got bad beat. Don't talk to me. And you're like reactive on like whatever. And then they're like worried because it's like you look stressed. So it's like you need to communicate. And I think that people who are in poker for a long time do this well, but maybe those coming into it or less experienced with it can can ultimately parlay a problem by not communicating, not preparing the the person for whatever, you know. And some people like Helmuth, he talks about this. And I've had him on my show a few times and with his wife, like there's days he'll be in competition. He won't even talk to his wife. Like they'll be in Vegas together and like, doesn't even talk to her. Like she'll yep. won't even say, they'll see her, doesn't even speak to her. And he's saving all that energy and effort for the thing. But she knows that there, she's a psychiatrist, um, yep. psychologist. I'm sorry. You know, very well-trained knows Phil knows what he does, knows the, the mental side of it and doesn't interfere. So like, that's a big difference than, you know, someone who starts poker this week goes and plays a tournament, maybe even takes a bit of a shot and comes home and, you know, the, the partner might not know. Maybe they think it's 50-50 that you win or they're supposed to win. So I think that's 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 really big and important and something to look at if you are playing games or poker or anything for a living. Or maybe you're a trader. Same thing. You know, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have 
tough days, stressful days, like to, to, yeah. to, to be able to talk that through and have an understanding of what you're doing, how it works and have some rules and boundaries. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And I tell, I tell my clients all the time, the poker clients, I try to get it to their fixed skulls and I tell them, listen, this is your responsibility to explain your world to them right. and have empathy for them because they have no idea what this world is, how it works, how it functions, how it is a viable job your responsibility so i don't like the complaining about nobody understands me my girlfriend's always whining bro it is not their responsibility to understand you they understand college you understand nine to five or maybe having your own company they don't understand playing card games for a living i mean that's that's not really crazy right it's it's the same thing with being being a parent or or depending on if you know most most parents and, and couples that are, I think would agree there's not 50 50 and at least at all times you know maybe the, the the certain expectations or things that the other one does so it's also important for you to know you know yes. what are the times what is this what is like what's the routine you know like don't do this you shouldn't be letting the kid watch tv or you know mm-hmm. do this or take them or, or give them this to eat at this time so it's like you need to also make an effort to understand you can't just hop in and like do willy-nilly whatever you want because you can impact and then that can be upsetting and frustrating too. So yeah, I think ultimately that's, that's one of the biggest things, communication, um, yes. separation, and, and that, and that's going to make any area of your life poker or otherwise, uh, more smooth. Um, I guess, can you talk a little bit about your, how your business has shifted and like, who's a part of your team? Cause you have social, you have, you do stuff on Instagram, Twitter, you have a website, you have, uh, clients, bookings, what is sort of your process and your team consist of to put on all the stuff that you do? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's been a crazy ride really. Uh, it, it has been going so incredibly fast and I never really expected it to go this fast. Uh, my, my, I had a two year plan, like coach, make a little bit of money, pay my bills, maybe get a personal assistant. <laughs> you know, like that was my, my initial. And then, you know, I got so many clients that I felt like, okay, I really need a personal assistant right now. So I got one. And then I felt like, wow, now all of a sudden companies are reaching out to me, like big corporations. And how am I going to do all of this? Like, how am I going to maintain? Um, and then I said, you know what? I think I need another coach. We got another coach on board. And then all of my social media was suffering. Like I haven't uploaded on YouTube for a while, as you've probably seen on my channel, because just it was too too crazy. And I felt like, you know what, let's get a social media marketer on board. So it was really organic. Nothing was forced. Nothing was like, let's go there or let's scale it up to this within two years or three years. It was just that the urgency was there. The necessity was there. And now we're looking for another coach. We're looking for uh, uh, a marketing manager, a solid marketing manager with experience in B2B so we can sell our corporate programs. And we're looking for uh, another uh, personal assistant. So uh, this uh, job opportunities on LinkedIn, if you want to check that out on Coach Mama, and if you think you're the guy, please hit me up. I mean, we're looking and doing interviews every single day. Uh, yeah, and it's been it's an incredible blessing, really. We're a team of eight now, hopefully uh, 11 soon. Um, and yeah, just I'm, it's sometimes when I t- tell this and share this, I, uh, I still kind of, it has to sink in. Because for me, I was homeless 11 years ago and that feels like yesterday, you know, living in a homeless shelter and, and eating the garbage food and, you know, just being very uh, insecure and lack confidence and lack money. And now this, you know, 
still not that much money because I like I've raised a thin margins and I invest everything in the company and that's what I believe in. Uh, but you know, there is enough to pay my bills. That's the thing. And there's, you know, travel sometimes and there's talking with people like yourself who were my heroes back then still are by the way, but you know, felt more distant back then, you know? Uh, and, um, yeah, so it really has to sink in on many levels still. And, and I'm just allowing that to happen organically because I don't want to get it, let it go to my head. I don't want to feel, you know, like a big shot CEO or anything. My my organization is really flat. Everybody has, you know, a lot of decision-making power. I believe in that. But uh, yeah, some some crazy stuff has been going on. But what I really believe is if you just put out a lot of good and a lot of value and a lot of free stuff in the world, you'll you'll get things back. That's what I believe in. Like so many people like yourself, but also just random people on Twitter. I I I coach like man, I mean I wouldn't I, I shouldn't even say this on a podcast. My my shareholders are gonna be pissed off, but I do so much free coaching and I just spend so much time answering DMs on Discord and I help so many people for free just because I love people, man. I love to help and, and I don't care if I'm paid or not. I that's not a great business mindset, but I that's I well, feel like that's the reason why this blew up so fast. Well, Just I know it's genuine because I, I know for you know personal people and stuff you've done. So I know that that is a hundred percent true. Also, I know we're gonna give away you are gonna give away a one hour, um, I guess you can call it however you want to call it, kind of tutorial or session coaching yes. uh on here. So we'll do that at the end as well as that fifty dollars in cash. You guys can hit the, the tweet that is on the pinned uh on my on my profile right now i think you retweeted that as well so we'll give that away today um and you know i think that also part of that though is i think it's a it, i'm a big believer in that too it's like if you just do something you love and you just push at it it really good things happen you know same thing with like when i started twitch or youtube or even this podcast channel uh people ask me like, oh like, how much do you make on twitch or youtube or even the podcast like the podcast i not monetizing in theory i, I do have sponsors and like I do some stuff, but to me, it's kind of like, I just enjoy it. I want to do it. And I'm sure down the line, assuming it's successful, people are enjoying it and it goes well, like there could be, it could be lucrative, but like, that's not my primary Mm -mm. motive to do it. I think a lot of the people that are the most successful, you know, of course people are hoping, you know, start a business or do something they want to make money. But ultimately if it is something you're passionate about, you love, I think you're setting yourself up for success and doing things, you're kind of always on interview. You don't know when something can break or turn or be a part of, and you know, mm-hmm. you give your best. It's like anything's possible. So, I mean, I think that's a great, great attitude to have. And um, yeah, I think that that's, um, you know, it goes, uh, luck is, I believe in that with about luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I think that's mm-hmm. just kind of one of the fundamental um, things in life and that I am a big believer in myself. So it's, uh, it's great to see your success and how everything kind of move forward and, uh, hopefully there's some people that, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of different ways. I've worked with Elliot Rowe numerous times and done his courses and stuff. I've done a lot of personal coaching with him. I've done personal coaching with you. There's all different types of ways of doing things and different price points and different opportunities. So you know, could you maybe speak a little bit about what you recommend and someone at home who maybe it's not possible to work with you based on your, your hourly or what you're doing uh, or some other coaches, but what there is a lot of information. There's course with raise your edge. Of course you have the unchained, mine but you know which is also does cost money so what what someone that maybe wants to do coaching that is looking to enter or start doing some things that is similar to coaching or working with you what would you recommend well i would recommend reading i believe that that's a skill that you can you know hit like 10 birds with one stone 
I believe starting there, putting your phone away and this almost meditative process of just being with yourself, with a book, reading, letting your mind work, letting the creative part of your mind create a story and a visual, maybe learning some things along the way, being in silence and peace with yourself and building a habit that is, you know, quite healthy and, and good for you. I think reading is a great place to start myself. I have so many awesome books here right now. I can recommend a couple that I need to read. I have nice girls. Don't get the corner office about um, women and competition and uh, the office space. I have the, the myth of mental illness from Thomas Sass about uh, reframing what a mental illness could be. I have some more uh, accessible stuff like this book could save your life. Like these books are really just really changed the way I think and believe about not only my job, but also, you know, about myself and my life. And um, I think reading is just such an amazing place to start. And it's so cheap. It's 10 bucks, you know, five bucks with like a reader is like one or two bucks. So, so it's, it's, it's amazing. Really. It's, it's really amazing. Reading is just, I can't recommend anything else. Uh, if you can, and if you have the money, right. I would say there's even one more place before you can maybe jump into coaching. Uh, and I believe it's traveling. If I can name two things that changed my life completely and opened my mind up to all the things that I've learned now is reading and traveling. Um, coincidentally, two things that I started around the same time. So when I traveled, I discovered different definitions of happiness, different lives and expectations different language, different food, different, you know, ways of working and communicating and having empathy and understanding for the people where you are, being a guest, being humble in the country where you are. That just, wow. Like I can't even, I could go on and on about traveling, how much that helped me. Um, so reading and traveling first, those are the main investments that you need to do in yourself. And I think you're ready for a coach when you're have a couple of things, I believe, in place, and that's autonomy. Uh, with autonomy, I mean you're able to make healthy decisions for yourself. Right? If you don't have autonomy, I think maybe therapy would be a better place. Right? If you're consistently making unhealthy decisions for yourself, I would argue maybe look for therapy instead of coaching. And some form of accountability Right? that you at least want to admit the situation that I'm in now or the reason why I'm not as great as I want to be is partly my fault. It's not only the fault of variants or are the people trying to pull me down or I got haters or my family. It's a little bit of myself as well. Then I would say a coach is ready to help you out because if you don't have accountability, you're making consistent bad decisions and you're blaming other people, then really you're just going to waste a lot of money on a coach. Makes sense. And how do you, um, how do you decide and, and sort of work your schedule for the week? Because it's kind of an interesting thing where the bigger you get, the more opportunities, like you said, corporate, you're working with individuals, you have sort of weekly slots or different things. How do you how do you manage your schedule? And, and at some point is enough enough because you know, at some point you got to sleep, you got to eat, you got to have some personal free time. But if you're sort of taking on new clients, do you have other coaches that are under you? Is that something you're looking at doing or, or, or kind of is that the goal? Um, yeah. you know, how, how do you do that? How do you create yeah, your schedule? One coach working on the team currently, a corporate coach. We're looking for another coach to add on uh, just to take up more of the hours that currently are. Uh, hopefully, and, and that's really where we're aiming at, is that I can decrease the amounts of coaching that I can do so I can just scale my message 
as much as possible through content, through podcasts, through speaking, instead of, you know, doing the one-on-one coaching, which I love. And I really, I hate to even, you know, consider letting that go, but I believe my impact on a bigger audience is is much more effective than doing it on a one-on-one, but I'll never let one-on-one coaching go, but I think we need to decrease that a bit. Uh, And besides that, um, I have a personal assistant and looking for, you know, a project manager. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm blessed to have so much help in my corner and people helping me out, but there's definitely a lot of responsibility still right now with a lot of interviews, a lot of meeting, a lot of sessions, a lot of ideation, a lot of brainstorming, corporate stuff, building a company. Uh, sheesh, this, it's, it's actually a lot. And for me, I just try to work incredibly focused and locked in for six to eight hours a day. And when I shut it off, I shut it off. And I don't care what the consequences are. That works for me the best. When I'm done, I'm done. And I don't touch anything. Even if it's an emergency or something terrible, I don't touch it anymore. I used to be in that mode of the startup founder, CEO guy who's like touching everything all the time, working, working, working seven days a week. And oh, there's an emergency at 3 a.m. I jump out of bed and fix it. I don't do that anymore. And that's because I've learned that if I'm not at my peak performance or at least 80%, my decisions are going to be shitty. Right? And I've learned this, for example, from the book from Jeff Bezos about him building Amazon, who said that if you make two great decisions in a day, that's enough. Right? Yeah. Finish it up. That's a good day. And I believe in that. That's, that's strong. I think it is important. You got to, I think also like one of the things I, I struggle with to optimize is um, being focused and like even something is like the, the, the really the power of habits. You know, I'm trying to learn Portuguese slash Spanish and like realizing like all of a sudden, you know, my son's two and a half. He speaks all three. He is learning at all kind of the same time. But like wow. I could easily have learned Spanish through COVID. No problem. I, there's no, no excuse. I can't do 15, 20 minutes a day of, of that. And, and, and it's, there's always time for what's important. Same thing with poker. You know, I want to get better. I want to go through, like I have access to these courses, the opportunity to get them. You know, it's like, it seems overwhelming these tasks, but it's like that discipline. I, you talk about the discipline muscle, like just being like, look, like I'm going to, whether I sleep an hour less a day or you know, the time wasted on doing social things, like media and things like Block off time, put your phone away, put your computer screen. You know, I got WhatsApp web and Skype and Discord and Telegram and MyGram and YourGram. All these different things. There's so many distractions. It's really, I have a hard time like knocking down a simple thing like doing a course. Like for me, it's very difficult to do. And I think that's like, it's not a lack of laziness uh, for lack of, um, I should say it's not due to laziness, but that focus now, I think it's really hard to find pockets to like really shut off or, and I think the best and the most successful players and different whatever they're doing are able to sit down and, and dive in and, and do stuff. So I, do you have any do you have any tips on that for um, for, for 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 focus and just sort of um, getting getting sort of insurmountable tasks done and on track? What, what do you suggest for that? Well, it's it's really a practice, uh, and the practice starts at removing as many distractions as you possibly can that are not adding to the goal that you currently have. So for me, it meant putting my smartphone in a different room than my office. It's not opening the tabs that are going to notify me about things that are not attributing to the goal that I have at this very moment, right? Just blocking off the six or eight hours to one specific goal that I'm trying to achieve 
and not letting myself get distracted before I have achieved it. Right? And for me, that also means having an empty and clean minimalistic office that Again, no phone, no distractions, no extra tabs open that are not necessary to be open. And Man, if I, if I, can show you my, I should show you a picture of my thing. I got four 38-inch LGs. I got 400 windows open. And I'm and I, so, I mean, it's I, I, that's not, I don't know if I can do that, but maybe that's what it is, though, right? Maybe it is yeah. in this time for this course. It's like everything's minimized. You're one screen. You're watching it and that because like I guess uh, or a compromise would be have my email open and listen and do one thing because maybe that's like a still I did I think I guess it's ADD I don't know like I don't feel like I'm sporadic and crazy but like I really do like to have you know I just I, it's hard for me to sit fully still or not be doing things but I think mm -hmm. that's still a fine line right like you can get it down yeah. from being like chaotic because that that it's weird, man. I see Gary V. I'm sure you know of him or have seen him. Oh, yeah. like he does. He he just did a post um, uh, the other day, and I kind of always wonder about this. Like, sorry to interrupt you, by the way. I get fired up and go on tangents. That's part of I just can't. No. Help myself. But um, you know, he talks about like he does 40 things at a time, and like a lot of the stuff doesn't work or won't whatever. That's how he's programmed. I think I'm more towards that. So I guess to interrupt you, and I apologize. Like, how would you someone who's constructed like that? How can they make it work though? Because it's maybe not realistic for them to just be fully dialed on one thing. Like, is there some yeah. compromise there? And yeah. and you think it can work? People that are kind of like that Gary V's, because like it's hard to be Gary V, right? He's got a team of fifty people doing stuff, but like he built up from somewhere. You know, how would you sort of, how do you sort of address those two things versus like being focused and do one thing well and doing everything? How do how do you how do you how do you talk about that? How yeah. So I think for Gary Vee's interesting situation, because uh, there's two things we need to consider. One is he was absolutely very much locked in and hyper-focusing before he came Gary Vee, right? Before he was the guy, because he was 100% YouTube vlogging every single day, right? For like, I don't know, five years straight about wine. And then he went into like social media. So he was definitely locked in one world, right? YouTube. And then when the team grew and he had opportunities, he expanded into all of these different platforms and ideas and NFTs and blah, blah, blah. So now he's the guy, the visionary, the futurist, et cetera. But still, I believe with Gary Vee, it's very focused. I don't believe he's all over the place. He's mm -hmm. still in the digital space. He's still in social media, right? He's still in uh, uh, the... the and, and what I think is great about him is that at the same time, he is um, definitely, he seems to be going very, very fast and, and switch a lot of context all the time. But at the same time, he also promotes patience and empathy and kindness and understanding and, you know, not wanting to have it all at 28. And, you know, knowing that you're going to live hopefully 70, 80 years, you have time, right? You can... Uh, most people made the, the majority of their wealth after their 60s, right? We've seen this yeah. over and over again with Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. And, uh, you know, after their 50s and 60s is where it really gets good for them, right? Until then, it was just a grind, mostly, right? A big, big, long grind. So I think that patience and understanding that even Gary Vee, but also all these other types, no matter how they got to their success, regardless, they were focused. Right. They were focused into one specific area. They didn't switch context too many times. Right. right. And they at the same time were patient and they knew it was a grind. And it's 
It's surprised, right? We know I think that's that's that is important too because it's so easy to see Gary V or any anyone, celebrity, athlete, singer, song, these people, and you're like, oh, like this guy or this girl's a star, or they're the best in their field, and like you know, there's a lot of there's they were also on a couch or you know grinding or in their one bedroom studio or the most successful business people and stuff you see, and it's yeah. like yeah, they're usually in their fifties, sixties, late forties, and they've become successful, but there's a lot of grind effort hard work, grit, and luck as well that, that comes into play. And I think that's so hard sometimes to, to be able to see or think like that because you, you said like Gary Vee, if you go flashback and now technology, you know, it's, it's, there's only so many years or Instagram or things before that, right. They're like to see Facebook or, or YouTube, but like before that, it's like, you know, it's hard to really know what they were doing and the things they did and the calls they made and the hours they worked and how much they really did to put themselves in positions to, to, to be at the top and then maybe even explore and experiment with a lot of things. So I think that's a good perspective. Um, and it's also good to not get confused and just think, Oh, like I'm going to, you know, start from scratch and do 50 things like yeah. out, out of the blue, yeah. because you know, you got to have, it takes money to make money, but you kind of got to get your, 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 your foundation before you can start experimenting and, and doing other things. So um, yeah, I think that's important as well. Um, yeah, very well said. Well, let's uh, I, I got a lot more, to ask, I have some questions. My dad actually has made some questions for you specifically, but I do oh, want to. That's um, awesome. Yeah, he's he's got some, and then I want to kind of dive in on the uh, website here. With we are a lot, of, great, a lot of questions. Too, yeah. A lot of questions. A shout to the Raise Your Edge Discord. I know you are uh, active, and there's a chat in there for sure. Specifically, so give Love them a guys. mindset chat. I saw the post there, and some people. Um, dropping in and, and, and saying hi so good to see you guys as well uh but let's 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 take let's let's take a look at some of these i'll kind of bounce it in and out of theirs my sure, dad we'll let's shoot to them real quick yeah we'll and get I, it done so how did you start your journey with ryE raise your yeah head. uh i mean i tell this every coach and everybody who wants to get started in any field pick your niche and bombard every person with a community with a great valuable message not with a message of, I want you to do something for me. No, with a message of, I can do something for you. That's how I approach Ben. And I told him, you have an amazing community. I just yeah. want to be a part of it. I don't want to make money. I don't want anything. I just want to be a part of the community. Can I please help you guys? Maybe in a podcast, maybe in a blog. I'll write, I'll write 10 blogs. I'll do 20 videos. I don't care. Just let me know what I can do for you. That would be helpful for you. And that led into... Sure, let's do the course and let's do a podcast. Let's do this. Let the, so that that caused all of these incredible opportunities. But first, just reach out to every single person and just find a way that you can be helpful to them. That's it. Love it. Practical yeah. tips for controlling tilt, ask Adrian. A main thing I would say for uh, beginning players, main thing is play less, set stop losses or time limits, and study your ass off. Like those three are huge. If you are tilting and you know you can tilt and you know you get out of control, set a stop loss or some buy-in limit on party poker or poker stars. You have these where you can limit the amounts of buy-ins that you lose, right? Because, you know, we know that when we get emotional, when we get in the moment, we lose control, right? We can say, oh, no, I demand for myself that I can handle. No, okay, you can demand it, but we know you can't. So be real, be honest to yourself, set a stop loss, set a time limit, set a buy-in limit on the website and study your balls off and make sure you uh, don't uh, don't over focus on grinding that much for sure i love that 
Toad, McRodol asks, who do you go to for advice? Who's your guru? Who's your mentor? Many, many, many people. I mean, there's so many people I respect for different things. Uh, and I, I don't even sometimes have to ask them for advice. I just I just look at them, right? And I I, I know, for example, uh, when I watch uh, when I watch your vlogs, for example, and I, I'll put you on the spot right now, but I'll, I'll tell you what I what I've learned from your vlogs and the way you carry yourself and the way you are in a poker community is that the the amount of leverage, social leverage that you created within not only the poker community but so many incredibly successful people around you is just mind-blowing to me. And I feel like that social leverage that you have, that likability, that people just know who you are, what you stand for, you're authentic, you're honest, you're no BS, that thing can get you success in any field in the world, I believe. Just people seem to be drawn to you. And there's some magic behind it, but I also believe that that's really conscious effort of your knowing how to make yourself a value for people and knowing how to treat people and knowing how to not rub people the wrong way and be empathetic towards different profiles of people. Right. And that's just a genius, really. Well, I appreciate very kind words. And I mean, I, I, I gotta say, you know, I, I really do. I've appreciated the time we've worked together so far and it would be amazing to get back on a, you know, a scheduled weekly thing and, and also find some other ways to work. Together. I know we've been trying to do this podcast for a while, so I do appreciate you taking the time. Anytime, and, uh, brother. And, and, and we'll be, you know, going to make me, don't make me tear up, man, on my, on my own pod, but very kind words. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, right back at you. I know everyone you work with and, and Ben, obviously Ben, who I, uh, I, you know, respect and regard as one of the greats, just not only pe- poker players, but people uh, for him to decide to use your, your, your skill set and put you on as the featured for the, the, the course on raise your edge um, unchained, you know, that, obviously that's a big, big, big testament to your point. You know, it's like by association, you know, certain people and, and solid people that have a reputation built it of your, if you're in, aligned with them and a part of their, their, their beliefs their core beliefs, then uh, it says a lot and, and sort of is a, is a strong endorsement in its own right. So yeah, congrats to you for that partnership and, and just for all your success and journey. And we'll, uh, we'll keep, we'll keep plugging some questions here and um, awesome. yeah, guys, sure. we feel free to still, still get the retweet out and he's going to give a uh, coach Bowman's going to give away an hour of his time, which is very valuable more than any giveaway I'm doing in cash. So that's, uh, that's something you can capitalize on. We'll do that at the end. I don't know if we'll, we'll do it for, we can either do a separate one or for the $50 plus the cash really gives someone a double, double whammy. We'll decide at the end, but let's keep these going. Um, Tell us what it's like to take care of the most important part of a poker player's life, which is mental health. If you could give us some tips, that would be awesome too from Renato. Uh, hectic, <laughs> hectic, but it depends though. It depends. We, I, I work with some uh, guys who are in the private cash game uh, circuit and I also work with some guys in the tournament circuit. So it's different. The, the tournament circuit is very um, explosive. You know, it's like busy, 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 and then nothing. And then it goes crazy and then nothing, you know? So like it's, it's these sprints of high performance for like a week or 10 days. And then they have nothing for a couple of days or maybe even weeks. Uh, but with the cash game guys it's almost like consistent and it's very flexible in a way that they can be messaged or called at any time and they just have to show up and and play their hearts out Uh, and i believe also when it comes to the private cash game circuit which you'll know you know you'll know jeff because you've played so many cash games in your life 
it's so much more about the social game, right? Being able to play the social game, being able to be uh, likable and being able to be a part of a group of people and uh, being flexible and adjustable to the group that is there, right? Because if you're always going to be a very boring, quiet grinder and just put a, you know, headphones up and your hoodie up, then you most likely not will be invited to most of these games. So it's a different game and it's a different layer of pressure on top of it where, you know, so much is expected from you and you're always on your toes. Like, are people approving of me and do they like me? Uh, so, yeah, it really depends on what kind of grinder we're looking at, right? I, I I absolutely agree, and I couldn't couldn't be saying it better. It's super important, and you gotta you gotta take it all in. You gotta you gotta really be cognizant of your doing and how you're showing up to people. That's a big part of of poker in the process, especially when you want to do it for a living. You know, it's not always about getting the most EV or you know every spot. You gotta you know whether it's how you're showing up in the tournament or in a place that you're playing with people or a cash game. You just don't always want to try to take the best of it, and you know try to be aware that other people are there like maybe it's not their living it's for their entertainment or they just want to be around and you know how are you how are you fitting into that that uh that that equation um let's uh let's take another question here what's the best way to describe your work process from um well i'm purposely uh uh not licensed i have you know been trained as a coach slash counselor but I'm purposely not licensed. And by that, I mean, I don't do medical advice and I don't follow the the, the, the rules of like a licensing organization. And that's because I don't want to be locked in this, you know, this box of this is your treatment or this is the, the amount of treatments that you're able to offer to somebody. And that's it. And if you step outside of that treatment, you're liable of, you know, lawsuits or problems with the client um, i'm really comfortable in, in being flexible and just being able to adjust to what the client needs uh, without stepping into that medical sphere because i always say you know if it gets too he heavy i want you to go to a medical professional and get some real professional medical help right because coaching has its limitations right coaching is for for example people like yourself who have things in order but they're looking to optimize things right coaching is not the best decision if you want to start from square one, if you want to start from zero, right? We want to be at like 40, 50, 60 at least, and then we can work together. And I mean, here are all, I mean, I can show it right here that all the books are right there and I pick them up every time and I read through them and I study con constantly. Like I don't stop studying ever. Uh, when I get into a situation with a client and it's complex or I don't know what to do, I just dump in the books, I study and I try to, you know, become as valuable as possible all the time that's awesome what's your what's what's the age range age range in your in the clients you work with i've been working with teens most of my coaching career when i was working for organizations so i'm really comfortable with them i'm uh i like working with especially smart kids you know they're usually a lot more susceptible to change and their uh, their behavior is a, a little bit easier to influence and they're not so rigid as you know with older adults like 30 40 plus who are usually more rigid and 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 stand firm in their own beliefs and, and hard to persuade otherwise so i like i like working with younger people especially if they're high performance like a chess player uh, then that's it's actually not that much different surprisingly enough from an older person because they experience the same things like tilt and performance and a game and you know competition and 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 beating people and and 
winning prizes, studying. So yeah. That's yeah, it's, that's cool. I mean, chess and poker definitely have a lot of similarities too. Um, I, I think, and it's, it's, uh, it's great to see both kind of growing and flourishing in the moment. Um, give us yeah. a piece of advice to be successful as Forrester. Do you have any, just a, just a tip, someone's looking for a push, a kick. Wow. Uh, One piece of advice. That's interesting. Um, if it, got, if it has to be one thing, I would say if you're looking for a purpose, if you're looking for some good, you know, reason to work, to live, whatever you want to do in life, I believe a good purpose always includes helping other people. I believe if your purpose just not has any aspect of helping other people, most likely it's not a good driver for your life. You're chasing something that is selfish that, you know, potentially might get you somewhere because selfishness or selfish pursuits like fame, money, validation, uh, they can burn quite heavily and, and intensely, but they, they burn out quick as well. We know that, right? Uh, you've, you've gotten some money in your hands. I've gotten some money in my hands. We know how it's actually scary how quickly you get used to big amounts of money, right? 50K, 100K, a million. Like those amounts, you will get used to them very quickly. It's it's really scary. Uh, and, and that's something that I've learned in my career as well. But helping other people, you don't get used to that. People telling you, Jeff, you changed my life. Thank you so much for existing, for doing what you do. That that feeling, that never gets old, I believe. Makes, uh, I, I, and it's true. Giving is better than receiving. I think there, there's a shift. We can all remember that as a, as a kid with Christmas or you know holidays and getting your birthday presents or whatever it might be. And then what, what it's like, you know, I, I know vividly when that transferred. And I think that's that's something that, for some, it hits home more than others, but it is. It's also like getting gifts is cool, especially something you like, and it's nice. But it's also like to give someone something, whether it's your time or, or affection or love or whatever, or a gift. I mean, it just it's, it is a lot more rewarding. Like it's a lot more fun to do, and I think that's uh, that's something important to think about because maybe for some people too, it doesn't it hasn't happened or you don't feel that way. I think that like if you really think about it though, that is um, it just it just does feel a lot better. Um, yeah. right, most often given tip kind of what you're just saying sort of falls in prop most profitable format and poker tournament for you. What, do you, what about PKO tournaments? Um, do you, do you play? I mean, are you used to play, do you play any or not really anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love to play. I really do, but it's been really difficult now, especially since, you know, where uh, poker stars has been taken away from us now in Holland because of licensing issues. I always used to play on poker stars. Uh, I don't know what the situation with party poker and the license is, to be honest. Uh, but it's just a really tricky situation now in Holland with the licensing. But when I used to play, I used to play tournaments where I just felt comfortable. And for me, mostly that was fast tournaments because that would make my decisions very easy. Right? If it's fast, if it's turbo, if you don't have a lot of chips, you don't get in a lot of these crazy uh, big, big blind pot positions You know where people can put pressure on you. So I feel like that should work for you i i would say just play tournaments that you at this time feel most comfortable in right don't force yourself into a deep stack tournament if you're not comfortable in that don't force yourself into a, a hyper tournament if you're not comfortable in that just play whatever you're comfortable at because at the end of the day you got to enjoy it first mm -hmm. right 
first you got to enjoy it. And from that enjoyment, we can study, we can improve, we can become better, we can grind, we can take losses, we can come back. But if we don't enjoy it, then, you know, forget about it. Absolutely. I love that. How many poker players are you working with at the moment? Oh, uh, poker players are a tricky bunch because, you know, they disappear and then they come back all of a sudden. So, like, they disappear for a couple of weeks and do their own thing. And that's, you know, it's completely expectable because, you know, they got a lot of stuff going on and tournaments and stuff happens. Uh, so, they, it's not that structured in life, right? As a corporate coach, I'm used to doing 10 weeks and everybody shows up on the dot at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. and they're there five minutes before they're waiting and then at exactly at the minute of when the session ends, they're out. You know, they're really trained. <laughs> like the corporate people are, are amazing. Um, but uh, currently, I think we're around, I think close to 10, 11 maybe, like professionals. You know, we have some recreationals and some golf players who play poker and that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, around that, I think. Very nice. But it chips all the time, of course. Chris Robinson's asking, how does one get behind the curtains and whatever they are doing to become a powerful person in their field? That's a great question. I tweeted about this a couple, couple, I think yesterday or something. I don't remember, but some guy tweeted and said, I, I don't want to be on social media and, you know, telling people about my achievements and telling them, oh, my startup has made a 50 million or, you know, I just won this tournament. I want to be behind the scenes and make those real big impactful decisions where actually, you know, most of them, as you know, you and I both know where most of the big decisions in the world are being made, you know, they're not being made on Twitter or on Instagram, right? The big decisions are being made behind the scenes. And for me, it comes back to the same thing, right? This really vague Illuminati kind of narrative is really boiled down really simply to become a person of value to them before you expect value from them back. Right. You want a seat at the Illuminati table behind the scenes. That's cool. We all want that. Then you first got to show why you're the person who needs to be in that seat and why you can earn that seat. And that means oftentimes doing a lot of stuff for a lot of people for free without getting anything back. A lot of times I've done this exactly what I did for you, what I did for Ben, what I did for a lot of people for free. And I never, ever asked for anything back because I just wanted to do it with them for them. And if they have something that, you know, might help me, cool. Let's see. But that's not, I'm not demanding it. I'm not asking it. That's not my intention because people will know that's your intention, right? If you want to see that Illuminati table and everybody at the table knows, oh, this guy just wants in the seat. This guy doesn't want to help us. Guy doesn't want to make, help us make decisions. He just wants the seat, right? Just because it's a cool seat then, you know, you can forget, forget about that seat. Love it. People, uh, well, I'm sorry, not people. Ghost of M, the man to meet Marco. You may know him from the Twitch streets and just always in the mix. He's got a great question asking about what to, what do you say to people who think they don't want to spend on the mental game, but have a ton of spending on random things? What's your message to them? Well, what's important, I think, is for yourself to decide, and you don't have to, right? I'm not here to tell you that what you need to do, but it's important to decide for yourself, does mental game play a role in poker or not? I think that there actually are a bunch of very good players make a lot of money who don't give a flying F about mental game, and they're very successful. They might be monkey tilting off like half of their bankroll every year, but they just believe it's part of the game. I'm not tilt. I'm not a mental. There's nothing. Nah, there's nothing there. 
I don't have to do anything with that. And that's completely fine. If they're living their life and they're being happy and successful, you know, all power to them. This is also a great quote from Gary Kasparov in chess, who said, I don't believe in psychology. I believe in making the right decision. I mean, that sounds like a Russian. So, I mean, I respect it. All right, yeah. Cool. If that's what you think, then great. I believe if you do things with this thing here, then, you know, maybe the way you treat this thing and the way this thing thinks and the way this thing influences behavior is a good thing to look at and evaluate from time to time. But that's just me. That's my opinion. If you think that's not, you make a lot of money, that's more power to you. I believe, actually, that that is very possible. It's rare, but it is possible. And even sure. if it's happening, you're, you know, leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, crypto, JM, just give me a brief, you don't have to go too deep down the rabbit hole here, but sure. yeah. in crypto, you believe her? I, oh, yeah, of course. I got a little bit. Yeah, not that much. I mean, I'm not that rich, but I got a little bit and, and I'm putting money on the side. I'm not researching anything. I really don't care about going in deep in a crypto rabbit hole. I just know people who are smart and I trust them and I give them money and they'll go do their thing and they love doing it. They love the numbers, the Excel sheets, the graphs. I'm not a, I'm not a graphs guy. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not a, that's not me. So I like the memes, but that's it. For sure. Um, uh, let me see. We got some great questions. Let me just take one or two more of them. I, I did want to ask my dad sure. a couple um and okay well here's one about sports so what did you do you stay active with any exercise in particular do you, do you have a routine daily or do you play any sports yeah i i post on my instagram stories sometimes when i you know grab my phone in the gym where my personal trainer will smack me but sometimes i sneak a picture in and i i do weightlifting and i do uh boxing from time to time which i really love i love boxing much more than weightlifting but i just know weightlifting is a more effective use of my time uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I really love boxing, especially with my wife. It's just awesome to fight with her and spar with her. That's that's sweet. What about your best book? You like what's your best number one recommendation books? Oh, it just changes all the time. But if 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 a person would say, I don't often read and I want to get a ton of value out of one book, then I would say, uh, this book could save your life, from Grain Lawton. That just has very short chapters of everything that you can imagine like the truth about fasting the truth about salt the truth about antioxidants the truth about hunger fat carbs sugar like everything you know and it touches on all the research that is done around that topic and also i believe sapiens is incredible just understanding human history the history of us as humans and why we're motivated to do certain things and why we're driven to do certain things that it's actually traceable all the way back to caveman times that was really insightful. So those two, I would say. Very cool. How how do how would one become a coach if someone mm. out there wanted to um, become a coach? How would yeah. you suggest yeah. that? So my personal, not my professional opinion, because I have a coach on my team who has a lot of licenses, and she's just incredible, like such an animal, it's killer, killing it. Uh, but for me personally. I'm not a big believer in licenses. I'm a big believer in real practical experience. So I started volunteering. Simple as that. I went to a community center and there's probably a couple of in your city as well, Jeff, right? But it's a community center. People who, you know, for some reason struggle in life, they come by, drink coffee, talk with people, you know, and, and they just get supported in some way. I think become a community coach, get in, 
a community center and tell the people I want to help. I don't want to talk to people. That's where you start. Just help other people for free. And, and, and is there, is there, I mean, so that's very interesting. And I, I, I love that. It seems like a great idea, but is there, so there's no, like in terms of license or how are you qualified to like, I mean, how are you deemed qualified by that? Or is it just like at that point there, you know, you're offering your time. You seem like obviously the same person. They like basically there is opportunities for that. I just don't know how that would work. Exactly. Yeah. So in the, in the community center, when you start as a volunteer, you don't need any licensing because you're not doing any treatments. You're just there. Uh, for me, I went there and just organized uh, table tennis tournaments just as a way to help kids and, and, you know, be of support to them. Then of course, later on, I got a ton of education and studying and licensing around when I became, you know, our inner city youth counselor. But before that, there was no licensing at all. Uh, and now, of course, as a performance coach, there's not really any license that you need for a performance coach, right? You just need to know your shit. And, you know, thankfully, I know my shit because I did it for a very long time. And I have a background in counseling and a background in community coaching. So that's uh, but I don't believe you need it because if you say, well, I'm a woman and I want to help women through their divorce, you know, if right. you don't do therapy, then you might be incredibly valuable to women going through a divorce, right? Or, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy and I want to help kids uh, who grew up with parents with a lot of money and who are not so nice to them because of that. All right, so you're a spoiled kid's coach. There's a market for everything, right? right. But you got to start somewhere. And the only way you can start initially is by helping people for free because they're not going to pay you if you don't have any experience, right? Nice. And I also think it's not that ethical to offer your services without any experience in, in return for payment. So, but that's just me. I believe start as a volunteer somewhere small and help other people, whether it's, I believe, even in a soup kitchen, right? Just go there, cook food and feed the homeless. That's also a place where you can be in touch with homeless people and just ask them how their day is and if they have anything in their life that they you could potentially maybe help them. I love that. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Last one from here. And then we're going to, we are going to do a giveaway and we are going to take, I want my dad, he's got a few good questions that he had saved. Awesome. Let me definitely ask him, what is the thing or things that I can do to put myself in the best mental state before playing poker for a long session? Thank you for the podcast. Tic Tac. Sure. Oh man. I got a ton of these. I love these. So office clean, minimalistic, no distractions, put your phone outside the office. Don't leave the phone in. Don't open extra tabs that might entice you to check any notifications. If it's music, make sure it's something like Spotify or something that is not a, a, a portal or gateway to, you know, like um, what, what they call a gateway drug, like weed, like, you know, a gateway to other distractions, right? Make sure everything is locked out as much as possible. Get your bottle of water, right? Hydrate. Make sure you don't do no caffeine stuff because caffeine goes up. And then it tanks, right? So we would like some energy that is more sustainable over the day. For example, lion's mane, I use that myself. It's a great natural replacement for caffeine. Um, but there's other things as well. Just be open-minded to replacements for coffee. I think that's a good idea. Uh, um, too. I don't know if you've seen this. This is, I, I got to give a, a shout out. I, I use it. You've probably seen Phil Homie talk about it. Brain fuel. Uh, yeah. it, it, it is. It has caffeine, um, but it's a little more, I think, different in some respects than what your typical coffee would do to you. But uh, I mean, I, I, caffeine is an argument, right? I, I, I think that I am a bit not, I'm not dependent, but I 
like caffeine. I like coffee. I like the taste of it. And I do feel like it's sort of like a placebo, right? I believe if you gave me one of these drinks or a coffee decaf, I wouldn't even know. You know, I think yeah. that that's interesting. And maybe there's there's ways to sort of like, I think that'd be an interesting experiment um, to, to have coffee for like a month decaf and and just, you know, I, I don't think I would notice, honestly. No, for sure you won't. No, I've said this to many, many clients and I told them just take defab. And I said, it's, I mean, the taste is the same. It's hot. It's nice. It's soothing. And I don't notice any uh, caffeine. No. You yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually make a note of that. I should try that. Um, yeah. Very yeah. cool. All right. Well, I, I'm going to ask a couple more here. We're going to queue up this giveaway. So I'll give everyone one more chance here to uh, go ahead and get in on that. So a lot of people, a lot of engagement. You can see the Razor Edge community strong. A lot, yeah. in. A lot of people going in. In. Very, very, very strong. So we'll copy that. I'm going to load it up. We'll let you do this. I'll ask a few more questions, but I do want to get this uh, queued up at least $50 in cash plus one hour of coaching from my man. We didn't put it in the tweet, but if you're here and you're live, I maybe have to make it like redeemable if you were live here and win. I don't know, but you did offer an hour of coaching. So we'll figure out a way to do that. I'm going to load it up before I let you select when. And then in the meantime, I'm going to ask a few more questions here. If you're good, you good on time. Sure, man. Keep them coming. All right. So you played competitive poker and then moved away from the game into coaching. Did you decide that you didn't want to put in the effort required to become a top poker player? Or was there some other reason? Was it that you were like, man, this just isn't going to be for me? Or was it just that coaching sort of pulled you so strongly? Uh, I think partly it was, it didn't feel super aligned with who I was. I was not always super competitive. I was not always really driven to make money or to be free or, you know, to live the poker lifestyle of being able to travel and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I like my cat. I like my wife. I like being at home. I don't mind not traveling for like six months. I have other friends who like get itchy if they sit at home for two months, but I'm like, I'm cool. I got, I love my wife. I love my cat. Everything is good here, man. I I get itchy when I'm away for like four weeks, you know, I get like, oh, I want to go home. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, I never felt the, the compelled about that lifestyle, but definitely a part of it was also, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm made for this. I don't think I'm cut out for this because this is just intense. It's crazy. And I never really had a lot of money in my life. So losing a couple hundred in a day was very painful and I could never overcome the pain. Even if I had a bankroll 5k, if I lose 500, I was like, oh man, this hurts. It's so hard for me to get back into that mindset of, you know, it's just money. It's just chips, just focus and study. And um, yeah, I don't think, and even if I would have done it, I don't think I would have been happy doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be. Perfect. Um, well, I want to talk again about the discipline muscle. You've talked about this. You said some poker players struggle with this because their personalities may not thrive with authority. Does this mean successful poker players need to learn how to be disciplined on their own and without it, they will struggle how does this issue with discipline work itself out with many of the top players? This is from my dad asking about this. And I just Great, man. Papa Gross, that's an amazing question. I love that stuff. So what discipline is, is, well, let's let's talk about freedom first, because that's a, the, the, the fundamental we need to understand. Uh, discipline is not necessary if you don't have freedom, right? Now, to explain this, if you have a job that tells you what to do every single day, nine to five, show up at nine, Work until five, do these specific set of tasks, go home at five, do whatever the hell you want, right? Then discipline is not that much of a priority 
if you can just show up at nine, then most of the things will be managed for you. Your calendar will be managed for you. Your effort will be managed for you. And also what is expected from you is managed for you, right? Now, when you take all of that away and we're now in a space where we're completely free to do whatever we want, whatever we want, however we want, discipline now becomes important because we don't have any authority over us to tell us what is healthy for us. Right? There's a reason why we start kids and put them in a classroom and then put them in an office until 70 years old. Right? This is because this process of school to work to uh, retirement, the process actually minimizes the problems that a person experiences. Problems, social problems, usually happen in places where there's a lot of unemployment. People sit at home. Too much freedom. They don't know what to do with the freedom. Start drinking beers or using drugs or going insane or beating up their wife. Right. So if you have a tons of freedom, you have to realize that this is a breeding ground for problems. So we have to understand that all of this freedom is a responsibility that you now need to create a structure for yourself. You need to become your own boss, your own CEO. Right. Instead of just using that freedom and or in a way abusing it for the wrong things because short term it might feel cool but long term you're going to notice that i'm not really going anywhere because i'm not focused i'm not putting my effort into one specific direction my effort is going like this all over the place and it's being wasted right but if it's going one specific direction right if it's funneled one way for even six months your results just be dramatically different it's powerful. Um, all right, last question. You believe that childhood, and when I say this, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, this is my dad. He's done some notes and research, and he, he's got his sources. So um, he, he writes, you believe that childhood experiences or traumas are critical to understanding your personality as an adult and how a person or player deals with stress and setbacks. Your coaching process must address these issues to become a more competent and complete person player. In your background, did you get any training in counseling and or does your expertise come from street smarts and self-reflection? Both. I got training in counseling and I got, you know, a lot of street smarts because I went through it all and I've coached a lot of kids who went through it as well. Um, but of course, I've been trained many times, many different workshops, training days, training weeks, all kinds of stuff by the most famous psychologist in America flying over to Holland. In Holland, they review a real believer in um and, and social solutions and, and, you know, social work, not just the, the therapy and the medication, but also, you know, prevention of problems. So uh, I've been trained a lot in that area and worked with the greatest minds in Holland. I've been blessed with that. But of course, there's a lot of it is street smart. But to understand trauma, we need to understand what trauma actually is, right? Trauma is not just the things that happen to you. It's also the things that you wish would have happened, but didn't happen, right? My dad really didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he beat me up sometimes, but it wasn't that bad to the extent that I feel like he traumatized me. He traumatized me because of the things he didn't do, right? Because of the man that I wish he was, but he wasn't. That was my trauma. And that's a completely different way of looking at trauma because we always believe that trauma is something that has to happen to you. And that's when we start to frame trauma and say, but I mean, I never was beaten up or I never was hurt, I never was, you know, yelled at or shouted at. Okay, but that's like, that's a very traditional, rigid way of thinking about trauma, right? Trauma can also be, I wish my dad would have, you know, put me on his lap and tell me, son, I'm so incredibly proud of who you are. 
He never did that. Now I feel traumatized. That's a different way of looking at it, right? And that's where we need to first um, identify and validate our traumas before we can actually say, these are the traumas that did it to us. Sometimes you need an external person looking at you and telling you, but listen, bro, your mom should have told you that she loved you and that you're valuable. You're like, oh, wow, you're right. My mom should have told me that. That's true. But she never beat me and she never hurt me. So I don't feel like I deserve to say I'm traumatized. Right? It's almost like a badge of honor. Like you got to have something horrible happen to you to say I'm traumatized. It could even be, you know, they would have never picked me to play with them in gym class. That could be a trauma. People never had trust in you. And they never thought you were good enough. So now you carry that with you. Tiny, small, but, you know, nobody can decide what a trauma is for you, right? And might be something tiny that eventually grew out to be something pretty, pretty impactful. That's 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 awesome, man. I love that. I love all of it. All right, well, listen, let's do this. I, I queued it up. You tell me when we're going to ch- choose a winner. They're going to win $50 cash plus they are going to win one hour coaching, which is way more than the cash giveaway. And, and also, of course, way more value. That's a lot. Yeah, cool. that's not refundable. <laughs> that is, exactly. That is, uh, that is there. So a lot of engagement, a lot of, lot of questions, a lot of great stuff today. Really do appreciate the time. Let's go ahead and uh, load this up and you tell me when and we will run it. Oh, that's a lot of pressure, man. Someone's going to win. All right. There's a lot of pressure. Hit it, man. I'm ready. There it is. Choose the winner. I am going to choose it. I am sure. Let's see who gets it done. It is. Oh, wow. Riders Fan 100 is the winner. They do qualify. They do kick the boxes and they do have a 100. I'm sorry. Well, they have they have a $50 cash giveaway. It looks like they're NFT in the NFTs. Maybe they'll be buying some NFTs with that. We're going to the le- directly message them, let you know, and then also get you. Looks like he's won before. Some guys just have all the luck. Look, he's won a 50. Wow. They get multiple times, third time winner. Some guys can do it. Energy My is powerful. God, back to back to back. Gets it done. I am going to, uh, I'm going to go ahead and DM him and give him that info. And then I'll put him in touch with you and, and have, yes. uh, and get you info for the um, coaching section. And uh, I hear my son running. I think he's yelling my name right now. As we're, we're finishing up here, I appreciate it, man. This was a great hour and 40-minute combo. We really covered a lot. Oh, and look at this. Hey, buddy. Come here. You want to say hi? No? I'm going to come see you one minute, okay? A little bit shy. He's just... Okay. All right, buddy. All right. Oh, so I appreciate it. Really? There he is. No, there he is. You want to come up? Here, come here. No. No? You're, you got, where's, why are you wet? Did you go swimming? No. Nice. Okay, buddy. All right. Joseph's coming in to say, shut down the stream. Congrats to Riders fan. Got more podcasts coming up. We are going to end this and we're going to, we'll be back soon. I know I got all American Dave. I got a couple big musicians coming up in the coming weeks. Uh, You guys are going to want to stay tuned. We'll have more podcasts, big 2022 coming. I got a charity stream. Hold on, buddy. Hold on. And I got a charity stream tonight in a stream. Look at, he's going right for the brain fuel. That is Joseph. That's not for you. You trained him well, man. That's a good promo. Oh, there it goes. Oh my God. (laughs) That is caffeine. I come on. Give me that back. Give me my cap. All right. I'll well man, Coach Bauman, I appreciate you, bro. We'll see you soon. And uh we'll be back for some more action. Hopefully we can resume some some good coaching this year too. Thank you so much. Let's do that. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. All right. I'm gonna uh give me one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna send a hold on, Joseph. Let me send one second moment. All right, we're
One second. Hold on. I got to raid someone. Hold you want me to drink it? Yeah. Okay, hold on, buddy. All right, we're we're still live. Okay. Helmet is gonna love your kid, man. You need to deal. Your kid needs to deal. I, I I'm gonna drink it. I'm gonna drink it. Brain. Give him an affiliate or something, guys, man. man. Gonna, uh, all right, Coach Bauman. Thank you, brother. We'll see you very soon. All thank right. You so much. All right. All right. I'm gonna drink it. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Good night. Send it over to Matt Staples. We'll see you soon. I appreciate all the love. This was a lot of fun, and we learned a lot. Good night.